Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the 9 to 5? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening or good night, whatever it is where you are. Welcome back and thanks for joining us again today for another amazing podcast, another um, chance to learn about some real estate deals and tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff that we've got coming up for you again. So thanks for joining us again today and uh, joined again, as usual, by Mr. Sandy McKay. How are you? You're up. Fantastic. How about you? Very good, man. Very good. It's a great day to talk real estate, isn't it? It's always great for real estate. Always great. Snow or sun or whatever you're looking at today. Um, That's we were right. talking earlier. I know you're not experiencing what we're experiencing, but uh, you know, we're used to winter uh, times up here and you're, yeah. uh, you're not. Well, anymore. that's the one, that's the one little, little bit of a weird thing I will say is that, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to keep track of time. And my son now has this, uh, this board that he just got. And uh, I think it's a couple days behind, but he writes on it with chalk, how many days till Christmas? Because, you know, there's just no indicators really. Yeah. Right. So except for the board. And then now the countdown's on and uh, we got to find somewhere to go Christmas shopping because that's a little tricky around here too. Nice. Uh, remind me, you got a, you got your retreat thing happening soon? Yeah, it's on Friday, actually. Everyone, some people are arriving today, actually. So well, by the time uh, this comes out, it's probably already happened, but uh, yeah. maybe you get a recap on the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super pumped. I mean, we've got 21 people from Durham REI arriving over the next couple of days. We're going to do some, uh, we're going to do a big property tour and of course, you know, see some fun things as well while they're here. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. What, about awesome, you? what, do, you, what do you have that's going awesome. on? Uh, what do we have going on? We are doing, uh, I'll probably share more about this on the next episode because uh, we're just launching uh, our, our fund. I haven't talked about this much. Launched um, our real estate investment fund that's going really well. We're excited. Got a couple of projects closing in like a month. So pretty full on with that and um yeah really exciting projects with that so we're we're raising money looking for people to partner with and um doing some big deals well that's cool and you know what you haven't done though is really advertise very well here for that kind of thing yeah. i know I but know. if anyone's interested in in learning more maybe reach out to sandy right how do they well, do that what, what we're gonna do you might not even know this but we're gonna okay. bring on one of our partners in that uh in the next coming weeks so we'll make an episode and talk a little deeper on on how we set it up and what it looks like and and potentially how people might want to get involved i gotcha but uh while, while they're here and, and interested in learning about it maybe uh you know right now 
yeah. how do you reach out to you? The easiest thing uh, to do is to go to Essential <laughs> Rep, EssentialREP.com. And um, all the info's up there. We've got a great site put together. It's full of information on, on what we're up to, what, what it looks like, and how people can, can uh, get involved. Okay. Put that in the show notes. We'll, we'll make sure we'll it gets get it in, in there. there. Just for, yeah, for people that are interested in learning about that now. And uh, everybody should go to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. You can uh, interact probably with uh, most of the guests that we've had there because all their info is in the show notes as well. So you can go on there and anyone who you like listen to the podcast, you said, wow, I'd really like to maybe get in touch with that person. Usually most of the show notes and a way to get in contact with our guests is right there. So, uh, So go over there and get in touch with all the guests listen to all the past episodes and get our free gift <laughs> very excited, excited. Free gift. someone's excited yes. wow well i'm recording at home today so we got a little maybe a little background noise here and there but uh yeah wow it's exciting the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estates and uh people can pick that up uh at breakthrough area podcast.ca and of course get on our email lists and everything uh, that we got going on so you never miss out on a show or an event or a property tour or a webinar or anything like that. Right. So if you're on the list, you would already have all the info that Sandy was talking about before. And you would know about the tours coming up that we're doing here in Costa Rica. So get on the list. Um, all right. And go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. You guys know it helps us and helps people learn about the show and helps us learn about guests and all that kind of stuff. So just go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thank you. What else do we got? Anything? Nothing on my side. Nothing on my side. I think we had a great interview lined up. Maybe we can yep. get into that. Let's do can it. Do it? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. We've got Sarah Eater here with us today. And um, Sarah, I'm going to read a quick little bio here before we get into it. And, uh, and then we'll uh, learn a lot more about you. But Sarah is a professional real estate investor, managing joint venture partner, and raising capital coach. And after only four years investing in real estate, she's managed to become full-time real estate investor with joint venture partnerships and creative financing techniques. Uh, she owns over $50 million worth of real estate, and she focuses on acquiring multifamily properties and development uh, developments across the GTA and Golden Horseshoe. Everything from duplexes to 30 plus units, uh, commercial buildings. She employs primarily the Burr strategy, uh, which we talked about a lot, and, and we can dive into a little bit more on the show. Um, she employs that one. She finds uh, significantly discounted properties with room to, for forced appreciation, allowing her and her investors to pull back a significant portion of the capital while retaining a high annual ROI. And she works with partners to create opportunities for wealth generation and financial freedom and provide full service, hands off investment opportunities. Uh, with her expert team of contractors, managers, accountants, et cetera, et cetera. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. And one thing I think that uh, maybe some people will be interested in is um, using the birth strategy on sort of a larger scale, because we dive pretty deep into, you know, what, how it might look for the small investor. But Mm this will be interesting so we can, so they can sort of get a grasp on what it looks like when you start to grow to that larger scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, start out the way we always do. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got the bug, how you started out, and then how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, I love talking about my my origin story because it's, it's pretty unique. Um, I think some people get into this, like always having the idea that, you know, they wanted to be in real estate or they're excited about real estate. Um, it was an accident for me more than anything. Um, I was a former professional athlete, actually, uh, about six, seven years ago. Uh, I have been doing it mo- my whole life. And uh, I retired at the age of uh, 26. And I was kind of just at loose ends. I really did not know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I had a business degree, um, had never used it. So I was kind of a really poor candidate for entry-level positions with uh, no uh, no experience in corporate and so I pretty much just took like the first job that would have me with my limited business experience. Um, and it happened to be a property management company in the GTA. Uh, 
again, no real interest in real estate, uh, but I was like, great, you know, it seems like a decent job. And I think my skill sets would be be useful for this type of position and uh, ended up just honestly like falling in love with real estate. Um, didn't love property management per se. I mean, I dealt with a lot of tenants, but hey, I, you know, I got it at the ground level and I really learned how to do it like at the nitty gritty like points. Like I, I, I was like a, a leasing agent. I met with tenants. I managed buildings, like really just like the ground ground level of real estate. But what really intrigued me were the clients that I got to meet, the people who owned these buildings. Um, and I thought, wow, like these people are incredible because what really stood out to me was that they um, they weren't billionaires. They weren't millionaires. In my head, that was like, oh, like you have to be a millionaire to own real estate. But these people were like accountants, police officers, like, you know, just everyday people owning this, these amazing apartment buildings. And I thought, okay, this, like, I'm on to something here. I really need to figure out how this, how this works. And so um, that's how I caught the bug. And I started going to different um, real estate groups. Um, I was a part of the Rain Network, um, you know, just right club, just some uh, investment groups across Ontario. And um, yeah, just decided that, hey, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just dive kind of head, head first into, into investing. And I, I didn't have a lot of cash. Um, I had experience with managing buildings, which was a good, you know, boon for me. Uh, but I didn't have good credit. I didn't have money. Uh, so that's how I started off, you know, learning about joint ventures and realizing that, you know, that is going to be um, kind of the route I would have to have to go. So I started small with some little you know, duplexes and fix and flips and student rentals and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of got to where I am today through scaling. You know, just listening to the story though, it makes it sound like this has been, you know, a, a 15 year thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, <clears throat> um, but really it's been a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of talk about, because you did have the experience and one of the big things, like, I mean, especially I think for most of the people probably listening to this is that uh, they're, they're going to come from the same places sort of all of us did here. Yeah. And that's just, you know, they're not the, 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 their dad doesn't have the yacht and, <laughs> yeah. and they've, you know, just inherited apartment buildings or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, they've actually like learned some strategies and learned how to work, smart, maybe not hard, but smart at least in order yeah. to be able to keep acquiring and building. So you had the experience, which is great. And that you weren't afraid to go out there and say, all right, you positioned yourself in a way that was like, all right, I have the knowledge and the knowledge is very important. You yeah. know, nothing of what I know. So your money does nothing for you in that circumstance, which is something that's really hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around when they're first starting. So how did that look when you first got going? Yeah. So, I mean, it's something I tell a lot of people getting started today. They're like, oh, I have a nothing to bring to the table. I'm so worried. Like I'm so scared of asking people for money. I don't understand like what I bring. And you, you made such a good point because it, it's time. Like that's like the ultimate battle, right? Like in anything that we do in life, it's money versus time. Um, and a lot of these individuals, like if they, they're busy corporate people, they, their accountants or lawyers, you know, like they don't have time to be driving off to God knows where, like looking at real estate, like they want the benefit of real estate, they don't want to be dealing with handymen. They don't want to be, you know, meeting with tenants and, and all the stuff that we, we deal with. And so that's really how I attacked this was, I was like, I might be young. I might not own a lot of assets on my own, but I'm willing to put in the sweat equity. I'm willing to put in the time to go find the deals. I'm willing to go, you know, meet with the contractors and do what it takes to make this a good cash flowing asset. And just having that little bit of property management experience gave me um, just the know-how to know how to like select good tenants, cash for keys, um, just, you know, being able to position and, and see those opportunities in underutilized buildings. And so like, if you get any type of background in real estate, you could start working for like a mortgage broker, like a real estate agency, like uh, property management, construction. Like if you just have that little bit of, of knowledge that a potential money partner is lacking, you instantly have 
value to that individual and you have the time. And really, I think that's probably the the biggest factor is you're willing to go out, hustle, find those deals. Um, they just want to go live their happy corporate <laughs> lives. They don't want to do the the boots on the ground. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great point. That's that's why I got into into as a realtor. I mean, that was the primary reason was 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 one access to like information that we wouldn't get otherwise, but even yeah. more so just ingraining like fully in the industry and just learning during my day job which, as a realtor, just learning so much as you go, right? And it just, it, it all, anything to entrench yourself into business can help you with your investing. Um, I always think that's a great idea for, for a lot of people starting out, especially if you're, um, you're really looking to go fast, like you have, um, you know, you got to learn fast, right? To yeah. be able to go fast. What, uh, what made you choose some of the first properties you got invested in? What was the, what, maybe what was your first property? How did that look? Or, or what did those first few look like? And, and why did you end up choosing those, those houses or those strategies? Yeah, so it was kind of like um, a bit of like throwing a dart at a dartboard. Um, there were honestly so many markets and I was like, I was overwhelmed. I was like, you know, do I go Hamilton? Do I go up like Durham region? Do I go Niagara? Like, I really didn't know where I wanted to end up. And I think I, rem- I went to um, Rain's uh, like annual conference and Brantford was one of like the top 10 cities and I had heard somebody else like on a podcast talk about Brantford I thought you know what why not sounds great so I started doing little property tours on my own like I would go to open houses and and meet with some realtors locally and and I saw a lot of potential in Brantford even back when I started like in like 2018 2019 um, Hamilton was already heating up like crazy and as a brand new investor you know there were already bidding wars with like no conditions in Hamilton and I thought like I don't know about this like for my first deal I was not confident to just like go in firm I didn't have a huge roster of JVs yet um I didn't have that power team really like entrenched so I just didn't feel confident enough to like beat out all these big guys in in the Hamilton market so I thought well it makes sense I mean Brantford's what 25 minutes away like it's it's going to be the overflow the catch basin for people getting priced out of Hamilton so um that's kind of where I decided to plant my my flag so to speak and it was a good time you know it was starting to get competitive in Brantford but I didn't have a ton of huge players uh in the market yet and so I decided to start small um I started off with a couple of small like single family flips um learned a lot they were not always the greatest uh, outcomes, but, you know, it, it was a really good crash course in how to manage contractors, timelines, you know, that kind of thing. Just build out those systems for like materials and, and things like that. And then I actually did some student rentals. That was at a time when uh, the college was actually growing and they were actually building out like another campus locally. So I saw a lot of potential for, for student housing, uh, in the area. So we started off with like a couple small, uh, you know, five bedroom houses that were like run down, you know, close to university, but like decent areas. Um, we did, you know, some fixing up on them, employed the birth strategy, which worked really well. Um, and then kind of after that, I just jumped right into multifamily because I, uh, didn't like the student management so much much <laughs> i think rob i think rob can relate to that one i think that was similar well, to your, uh... you know one of the things that i did right away is i said yeah i i know well not right away i did have i did i had a student rental early on and i managed it myself so once we sold that place um a few years later we decided to get back into it but i knew that i wanted nothing to do with the property to do with management. the management yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're fantastic. And I don't have to hear about everything that's going on. So I love it, but I I wouldn't, if I, if I had to be involved on, on the same level as before. Um, so let's, this, this transitions us into some challenges. What were some of the big challenges starting out? Um, I think I had two big challenges and I think almost every like new investor goes through this. Um, so one was deal flow. Um, so like I found that I was really good at raising money. Like I was getting a lot of leads, getting a lot of, you know, JV partners and really struggling to just find enough deal flow to like keep them, uh, keep them (laughs) happy. Um, so that actually transitioned me into learning a lot more about finding like off market 
deals, you know, I actually trained with some wholesalers to, to figure out like, what are the tactics they're using to find deals and basically employ, employed something similar. I never really actually ended up wholesaling like full time or anything, but uh, using those tactics, um, I mean, like, hey, these guys do this full time, like they know how to find deals. I might as well just why reinvent the wheel, learn what they're doing. And was actually able to track down like a lot of deal flow uh, using those strategies. But it was tough. Like, you know, there's always like that tricky part when you're first getting started. Like you want to raise money from joint venture partners, but you don't have enough deals or you have a ton of deals and you don't have enough money. And it's like always just trying to find that that happy medium so that the the machine keeps rolling you know i wanted to keep growing i had the, these goals um and you know i was like definitely hitting some some roadblocks that i felt were like slowing me down it, it was like in the beginning i felt like i was always in surplus of, of something um either deals or money and it was just trying to find the systems to keep that that rolling smoothly. Um, and I think like one of the other big challenges was my power team, you know, in the beginning, I don't think I like emphasized enough, um, <clears throat> the importance of like good contractors. Like I, I like you, like I did all my own property management first thing, you know, I was like, Oh, I can manage all these doors. It's fine. So I found myself like a one man circus, you know, I'm doing the deal acquisition and the deal sourcing. I'm doing the property management. I'm doing the JV management and you know, all that going on. And I just, really um, didn't, you know, understand in the beginning, like how important having, you know, property managers and bookkeepers and, and that, that team was to, to my growth. It hurt enough at some point that it forced me into delegation and hiring my own team, but I probably could have done that a little sooner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let me just say something. I think it says, uh, I think it says a lot about you when you say that the deal flow wasn't there because I mean, we've talked to people like, you know, Russell Westcott in the past who is, is huge on JV deals. And he talks about the fact that at first he, he was in sort of the same position that you found yourself in at least a little bit of excess funds yeah, uh, and not enough or, and, but for him it was okay. I need, I have the funds. I'm going to put it somewhere. So almost buying like indiscriminately at first and admitting to us, you know, that wasn't the right way to go. Yeah. Um, so it does say something about you because there's always something for sale. If you oh. want to buy something, there's something there. Uh, I like the fact that you call it like deal flow because yeah. I mean, to me, that's what it's about, right? So winning right. for the money partners, not just acquiring an asset which would probably do well no matter what, but you're looking for the best one, right? The best, exactly. Yeah. Well, it would have done well in, at that, in those years, probably 17, 18, 19. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about today or I don't know about 2021, 2022 at least. It's um, harder and harder all the time. <laughs> don't yeah. we all just shed a tear for that, for that? Just, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter when you start, I find, because like, yeah. you know, when I think it was around 2006, seven for me to really start getting into it mm -hmm. and just like, like just go crazy, just buy everything indiscriminately. Yet we were always like, Hmm, this one looks like it's a thousand dollars over what it should be. They should be asking. Let's look for something else. Not a hundred thousand <laughs> over. No, no, yeah. No, just 1000 at the yeah. time, you know, getting into it. Like, Hmm, which one's the best deal? We've got four here and they all make fantastic cash flow, but, this one, you know, you know, the ROI is 0.1 of a percent lower than this one. So yeah. we'll go with just this one. It'd be nice to have those today. Opportunities. Yeah. It might be coming. Maybe, maybe it's coming. Maybe it's coming. Maybe it's yeah. almost here. It's on the horizon. On well, you know what? Like, and that's the thing though. You never know. You don't know. Yeah. Right. You just yeah. know when you're breaking into the market that that's the time you've got to start. And these are the houses you've got to buy or the buildings you've got to buy. There yeah. Is and no it's like, using like the data you have in front of you, you know, people are like, well, how did you like survive, you know, during like COVID or like when you were getting started, like, how did you make those decisions? And I was always just say like, it's, I just, I have to use the sales data that's in front of me. Like I can't speculate. I can't project. I can't assume the market's going to go up and I can't assume the market's going to go down. I can only use the like comps data that I have right here. I know today, this is what the construction costs are today. This is what the comps are. And that 
that's it. If you try to guess and spin and speculate on, on where the market's going to go, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to win, but there's a good chance you're probably going to get burned too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> True. Yeah, you got to take action ultimately and, and got to get things happening. And the more you do, even if you screw things up, you're going you're gonna to learn so much from it that, and you're going to have lots of wins because you're going to have multiple um, points exactly. of taking action that you're going to have yeah. lots of wins, a couple maybe not great wins. It's hard to have losses in real estate, like real losses. Yeah. Um, although yeah. I've had a couple, but it's hard to have real losses. <laughs> um, sure. Flipping is a little riskier, as as you as you, you kind of alluded to there at the start. But uh, how did you end up scaling up then? If you have, uh, you know, you're tr- you had lots of seemed like you raised money pretty well. Yeah. Um, would mind learning a bit more about how you how you were able to do that so early? I know a lot of our <laughs> our our um, listeners probably have the opposite challenge. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, or both challenges. They probably maybe don't have quite as many deals, but they also don't have the money. Um, so uh, you seem to have done really good at that. Um, would love to learn more about that and what that looked like and how you were able to, you know, scale, uh, yeah. get these things going so fast with so much happening and, you know, <laughs> in such a short time frame. How, how were you able to do that? Yeah. The climate we were in too. Definitely. Yeah. It was tough. Like, you know, as crazy as 2021 was like, so was 2018. So was 2019. Like, have we ever just in the past five years, like had a slow time in real estate? Like, I feel like when I first got started, 2018 was terrifying. Like I was like, what is with these bidding wars? Like, why are people going in with no conditions? I actually found it like a very challenging environment to get, mm-hmm. get started in. Um, mind you, the interest rates were a little, little better, but um, so definitely like a couple of things there. So one, um, in terms of raising capital. So this is something like a lot of people just absolutely do not want to hear. And I tell it to my students, I tell it to other people who reach out to me on social media, which is exactly where I'm going with this. It's social media. Like people are like, it is accessible to you. If you want to raise money, it's pure statistics. You need to be in front of as many people as humanly possible on a constant, consistent basis. Really the number one way to do that is social media, but people don't like that. People think social media is something you do on your lunch break. You scrolling through Facebook. Oh, it's a joke. Oh, we don't like influencers. Oh, like I feel stupid going on like uh, a TikTok or whatever the case is. But the hard truth is that you have to like, and, and I tell us to people all the time, like you need to treat marketing and social media like a job. If that's what it takes to get you on Instagram stories every day, on webinars, on Facebook, whatever the case is, stop thinking about it like it's a hobby or a joke or, you know, just something you do for fun. Like we take it pretty seriously. And I'm sure you guys do the same, same thing, right? Like, I mean, we put money behind our social media. Like we have social media managers. Like I I probably spend hours a day, like not crazy hours, but like at least a good hour, you know, every morning, like what am I going to do today on social and what are my next videos going to be? And and what am I launching on YouTube next? And all the strategies we're going to employ, like it's a serious thing in my, my business. Um, And that was one of the things I did when I first got started was I was like, okay, I'm kind of like obscure. Don't have a lot of connections. Don't have a lot of assets. What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to get out in front of people? So I started a YouTube channel. Um, I just put myself out there and half the time I felt like an idiot. Like, you know, I was like, I, I didn't know what I was saying or if people were even going to want to hear hear what I had to say. But I just I took that risk knowing that I had these big goals. I wanted to scale. And the only way I was going to be able to do it was to just get in front of people. And so I went to a lot of networking events, hosted webinars online, like educating people about like the Burr strategy in Brantford and, you know, doing these YouTube videos and, and trying to get on podcasts like this and YouTube, you know, channels and stuff. Um and I think that was a huge catalyst to my early success in raising capital is like I had a good product and a good model that made sense from like an ROI perspective. I had a, you know, relative systems in place. And then I was just willing to get myself out front and, and center in front of a lot of people. Because I mean, we're all kind of doing the same thing at the end of the day. But if people can't find you, you're not shouting to the world, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it they can't find you. They're not going to invest with you or you're going to get drowned out by the people who are doing it bigger, louder, more frequently. So, yeah. Makes sense. It's a, it's marketing. You need to do some sort of marketing, right? It doesn't, it, I know social media is certainly the cheapest, I would say, and, yeah. and easiest in today's age. You know, it when we were, so. when we were starting out, uh, when I was starting out, at least social media was 
was there, but not really, not nearly in the same way as it was today. This yeah. is 12, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the best place for that. I, I wouldn't say not at that time. Uh, and so we yeah. kind of, we just said, you have to talk to as many people as possible. You got to phone, work. you know, we talked about it in real estate industry as realtors, like you, you got to make contacts. You, the only chance to get in front of people is contact people. <laughs> yeah. You can't sit around and so why not do that at scale, which is social media is certainly as easy as anything yeah. or the, the most accessible for everyone. And uh, I think it's, it is, yeah, it's, it is it's tough to hear from some people, but you got to market. You have to do some sort of market. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. It's going to lead to our next question here, but I, I think something that we, I mean, this, the, the podcast is something that we did, right. To get yeah. ourselves out there. Yeah. And, and it's been such a great tool, but I think that if we had have marketed it better, it grew organically. Yeah. And I'm very, we're very lucky for that. But I think that if we could have done it differently and we could go back, we could probably uh, push it like some of the shows that I see coming out now, yeah. you know, um, are really yeah. doing it right. And, uh, and so if you were going to go back, I know it's not that far, <laughs> but if you were going to go back and do some things over again, yeah. what would you do differently? I actually love this question because it's something I think about all the time. Like, you know, I think we have to re like evaluate where we've come from in order to just be better and better, like moving forward. And I think like I made, like, I wouldn't say like mistakes, but like from a strategy, like an overall perspective of like what I would do differently are like two things. So one is I would start more of an active income business in tandem with my birds. So, cause there's probably a lot of listeners here who want to transition other nine to fives who want to become full-time investors. And I kind of drank the Kool-Aid of, of these, you know, networking events and things like that, where they're like, just buy a bunch of real estate, live off the cash flow, everything will be great. Yeah. But those were investors that, you know, were investing in like the early two thousands and like the 2010s when cash flow was amazing. Whereas today, you know, getting started when I did in like 2018, cash flow was okay. It was like a few hundred dollars a unit. And we were like, great, that's a win. But like, that's not enough, especially if you're splitting that with like a joint venture partner and you have food to put on the table and bills to pay, like you're not going to get rich quick off of, you know, that, that cash flow on your, your long-term portfolio. But I mean, it has benefit, right? Like you've got the equity, the ability to refinance, like it's all part of the bigger picture when you're trying to transition into being a full-time investor. But had I known it was going to be a slow burn from like a cash in hand perspective, I definitely would have probably invested in some sort of active income business way sooner. So now um, I do kind of like a variety of, of active active income stuff. I do flips, I do wholesales, I do some Airbnb um, and things like that. Um, because I realized, you know, about like a year or two in that I was like, okay, like this is too slow. Like I'm building up equity and building up net worth, but like, I don't have cash to like really play with here. Um, and that's a lot of advice. Like I give people in general that want to quit their nine to five is you kind of have to almost focus it like 50-50, like in the beginning, 50 on that kind of legacy portfolio and 50% of your time. Like, I don't care if it's like creating your own property management company, creating your own construction company, like whatever you can do or flipping whatever it is, just you, you have to bring money. Like you have to keep pumping capital into this mm -hmm. to keep the momentum going. Yeah. And a lot of people say, um, you know, don't get involved with your own renovations and stuff like yeah. that but <clears throat> excuse me early on i recommend going in and doing some uh, like pay yourself doing, doing some stuff yeah learn yeah figure out how long it takes to actually do stuff because Definitely. i mean when you're in the middle of a renovation you go what the heck is taking so long well, if you've been in there if you've been in there doing it then you'll know you know, you'll have yeah. a better idea of how long things actually take and you won't just be coming down on these potentially really great workers that you have going, what's wrong with you guys? Like, why is this not getting done? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just wanted to put something into perspective too, because yeah. you mentioned like as hard as it was in 2018 with the, with the climate that you were in and mm -hmm. the, the prices and the competition and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, years ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. I remember, you know, 
my thirst for knowledge listening to this podcast out of Australia. And their yeah. big strategy was buying stuff with negative gearing. They called it negative, negative cash flow. Wow. Right? And that is a, that was a, a strategy in Australia, you know, buy it, sit on it for like 10 years before it even turns around to start making positive cash flow. But, you know, they're looking at appreciation of the asset and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I thought that that was really interesting that even back then, because I like that blew my mind. Cause I'm yeah. like, I'm finding stuff with great cash flow here. I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> right. <clears throat> but I think like, if you just look at it, that even for, even in, even in that kind of a atmosphere, people are still choosing real estate as like one of the best options. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like no matter what, like, I mean, like you said, it's like, maybe sometimes it's like lower cash flow, maybe your pre-construction, maybe sometimes like, I think right now people are experiencing that things that used to cash flow now at the higher interest rates are sitting on something that's maybe net neutral and people are panicking and like, should I sell? Should I sell? It's like, well, no, because like you still got the mortgage pay down. You still got the equity, the rebound that's going to happen in the market. Right. It's like, there's, there's always like that bigger, bigger Mm. picture for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you know, today's a lot different than, even you know as as short as it's been since you started like uh, five years ago four or five years ago this yeah. the interest rate market and financial markets extremely different how, how has that affected you has that affected um uh, i know with the burst strategy that typically we're refinancing you know fairly high right based on um what we can get and get cash back out um has anything changed with you in that have you reassessed what your strategy is or have you have you had you know you talk about the cash flow and what that you know how important that is I know I've I've certainly experienced a decrease in cash flow in a lot of my properties. Um, yeah. How are you? How are you looking at the market today? And what do you, you are you changing anything? Changing your approach? Yeah, like we actually pivoted pretty early in 2022 uh, because we saw right away, like my mortgage brokers already had the bug in my ear, like in late even 2021, saying, "Look, we're getting like kind of rumors in these places that." The interest rates, because I remember they were first talking about end of 2022, that they were going to start putting up the interest rates. And then I remember, I'll never forget, like it was about this time last year, my mortgage broker was like, look, I've heard it's spring or earlier 2022. So we need to like reassess what you're going to do. So I was like, okay, great. Like if that's what's going to happen, then, you know, we need to sit down and figure out what we want to do with our portfolio. And so at that time, um, we actually kind of put the brakes on some of our Burr properties. The market was heating up. It was going insane. We couldn't make anything burrable, you know, like because people were going into just such insane bidding wars in early 2022 that we actually took a step back. And instead, we looked to liquidate a bunch of stuff in our portfolio. So I looked at some JVs that I've had for like, you know, four years, we looked at just underperforming properties that, you know, maybe just didn't quite hit the mark, bad tenants, like whatever, just those properties that were kind of like low hanging fruit that just we weren't happy with. And we just started selling, selling, even to this day, like I have like five properties listed, like we're still kind of going through this like culling period more or less. Um, so that we can be well positioned for 2023. Uh, we kind of just decided like, look, I can still keep doing these small burrs, but we're just not seeing the same returns. It's harder and harder to find good deals. And we have access to some great money partners right now. So we're actually pivoting. Like last year, we pivoted to commercial real estate, like kind of part-time testing it out, seeing how we liked it. Um, now that's pretty much all we're going to be focusing on. I feel like with these uh, apartment buildings that we're focusing on, I can make the numbers work. We can predict more accurately like what that future value is going to be because we can calculate the NOI, we can calculate the cap rates, um, and they're just a more stable asset class, right, compared to to residential. So we're kind of just playing a giant game of monopoly, just liquidating a lot of those smaller residential things that aren't performing well. Um, and just kind of tra- like transferring all of that uh, into 
uh, commercial apartment buildings. We're doing that a little bit in the U.S. now, um, which I'd always said I was never going to go to the U.S., but broke my own own promise because the returns were just too good. Lots of good good opportunities popping up there. Um, and we also jumped on the Airbnb bandwagon. Um, I know that's like a huge hot topic right now with a lot of people getting into Airbnb. Um, I can tell you it is not for the faint of heart. It is easy to do it very, very wrong. Um, and you definitely need a good team to do it successfully. Um, ours have been great so far, but I know um, even Airbnb is struggling right now. Like people are saying there's like this Airbnb apocalypse and, you know, bookings are super low. Um, so, you know, it's it's been an interesting year for sure. Lots of transition. Airbnb certainly is not uh, as, I mean, it, it's kind of like, I, I see it kind of like flips and HGTV style. Everyone, it looks so great and easy, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's a lot, a lot more to it. And it's not just, you know, it's, it's not as easy as they make it look on TV. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, well, there's a great opportunity there. Potentially there's a lot of, a lot of things to learn and to, to, uh, to test out and every yeah. market's different too. Like there's so many variables. Um, Absolutely. And can be a great strategy for great cash flow. Yep. Um, are you doing that in Canada? Is that in the US or that's in real markets? Are you looking at for that? Um, so in terms of like, so like for our apartment buildings, we're pretty much like looking anywhere. Um, I mean, that's, I think the, the beauty of apartment buildings is like, I feel like with my, my other birth strategies, I wanted to make sure we're in like urban centers and like the residential had to make sense and everything. Whereas like, with these apartment buildings, I mean, I'm not going too obscure, um, like in, in very, very small tertiary markets. Um, but yeah, like we're kind of open and, and just buying stuff in, in any city. Um, but in terms of Airbnb, um, we're kind of employing like a mixed strategy. So um, one thing I realized right off the bat is that I don't want to be a seasonal Airbnb host. Um, we have a couple of cottages that I own. Um, personally, um, they're more to be the kind of family cottages, but, you know, put them on, on Airbnb uh, to kind of recoup some of the costs. And you see the minute October hits, you know, like the bookings just dive. Um, and we've been really lucky, like they're four season cottages, they're drivable distances, um, you know, they're heated year round with hot tubs and stuff. So we're still getting bookings, but probably just enough to cover our costs uh, for mm -hmm. the winter season. <clears throat> so, you know, I was like, okay, for the rest of my Airbnb portfolio, I need consistency. Like I need to be able to know I'm bringing in X, you know, amount of dollars per, per month. So we actually have two kind of camps in our Airbnb uh, business, which is, you know, the seasonal stuff, which we know we have to bank as much cash as possible during the summer months. And then we have our urban uh, Airbnbs. And those are more like midterm corporate stays. They're close to hospitals, universities, sports arenas, concert venues, like whatever, you know, stuff people are coming into town to do, or, you know, places like, I don't know, like, let's say Kitchener Waterloo, where like, there's lots of corporate headquarters, where we know people are going to probably have to come and stay, you know, maybe two, three, four months stays um, occasionally. So yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The seasonal seasonal stuff to me too is a little. It's just higher risk, you know. It's just Super there's just so many variables in that, and um, yeah. and it's tough to go through all those seasonalities. Um, you know, you do a lot of coaching, you do a lot of courses, things like that too. Um, mm -hmm. which which I, I didn't mention earlier, but I assume that factors into your kind of active income side yes. of things as well, right? Um, how do you help people get in, in into real estate investing, whether it's through your courses or obviously work with a lot of joint venture partners as well? Um, what are some of the ways you help investors get, get started in real estate investing? Yeah. So I would say like, I definitely lean on my strengths. So um, I know we talked a lot about like systems building, you know, like at first, like I used to really train people on like how to raise capital. Um, I'm a good marketer. That was actually my degree in university. So it finally came in handy after all these years. Um, so uh, I definitely like help a lot of people just like understand their social media, understand their brand, what they're presenting to a potential money partner and just helping them get clarity, you know, on, on what it takes to raise capital. Um, but lately, um, I've been doing a lot more like mastermind focused stuff because realizing that, you know, raising capital is really just like one element of the whole picture. And it's like, I could sure tell someone how to raise money, but if they don't understand like what strategy they should be focusing on and they don't have the right power team in place and they don't understand their systems and how eventually they're going to build out, a, you know, a team to delegate tasks to, raising capital just kind of throws money at a problem and doesn't really, you know, flesh out like the whole picture. <clears throat> so nowadays my model is more, <clears throat> 
excuse me, is more helping people figure out what's their system from A to B. Like, let's build out your whole real estate model. Like, what market should you be focusing on? What type of real estate? How much money do you need to raise? And then what are you going to do? And what systems do we need to put in place to help you continue to scale? I think a lot of my students come to me wanting to transition out of their nine to fives, wanting to do this full time. That's a different type of, of investor than just your everyday person. Like they have a lot of considerations that they need to, to think about um, in order to, to transition out of that, that full-time job. So that's a lot of what I kind of focus on with my students now. Yeah. That's quite a bit. Yeah. So and uh, if, if somebody wants to get involved with the course or, uh, or um, other, other things that you're doing, how would they do it? Um, so social media, I'm on it all the time, guys. So probably the best way to find me. So if it's on Facebook or Instagram, uh, my handle is at Sarah Etter Invest. Um, yeah, always happy to chat with investors getting started. Yeah. At Sarah Etter Invest. Invest, yeah. Invest with just the T at the end. Just the T. <laughs> Sarah Etter Invest. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Um, let's talk about what's next for you. Are you yeah. continuing with Airbnbs? Are you continuing with, uh, you know, we're not going to get into it, but something obviously that I know everyone wants to know is, yeah. is how to finance, uh, buildings in the U S Oh yeah. Or maybe we will get into it. Okay. Look, let, that, that's a, you know, that's, that's a big thing, right? People want to know yeah. if you're going to break into the U S you're going to talk about buying buildings there. Like how are you getting financing on these things? Let's talk about that just for a yeah. minute. We'll get too deep into it. <laughs> for sure. Um, so <clears throat> one thing I've learned in my journey, I mean, I started off partnering from day one. Um, a lot of people are like, eh, I don't want to give up that piece of the pie. I want to do it on my own. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's everybody's personal preference. Um, but I have employed that model also to what I'm doing now in, in the U.S. It helps to have a U.S.-based partner. Like, it helps to have somebody that knows the ropes, that has U.S. citizenship, that can get U.S. bank accounts. Um, so that's how we, because I, I thought about this, like, in two ways. To get financing um, for apartment buildings in the U.S., it's a little easier than residential, just like it is in, in Canada, right? Because like they're looking at the, the value of the asset itself rather than the individual. Because the trickiest part about investing in the U.S. is the credit. You have to build up U.S. credit, and that takes time. And just like everything in my life, I was like, I don't, I don't want to waste time. You know, I, I, could, I, I am going through that route. But in the meantime, saying, okay, well how can I be a part of this while I'm building up my U.S. credit, while I'm doing business ventures in there to build up U.S. income and, and all that kind of stuff? I was like, let's partner with some, some people, uh, Americans that have stuff going on and basically, you know, selling, setting up our, our corporate structure so that we can pull funds from Canada, my investors, you know, that I'm networking with uh, into, into the U.S. And now the one thing I want to tell everybody too is, the least thing you have to be worried about is financing uh, in the States. It is absurd how many financing options there are. Like it actually almost blew my mind to the point where I was like, I don't even understand all of these options. Like how are these things? Um, so if you get connected with like the right um, mortgage brokers down there, guys, and you get set up with the right like syndication structures, getting the financing can actually be not that challenging. Now, the easiest thing to do is like if you can pull some Canadian funds into the US, open up um, like a C Corp and an LP, and you guys can park some funds in the US, makes it a lot easier for these um, entities that are lending to you. Um, because obviously the building is going to look good, but it also helps to say, okay, look, I'm starting my credit process here. I've parked, you know, a few hundred K you uh you know or canadian in like some us bank accounts here's some corporations i've set up etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just going to show a lot more good good faith um but again if you want to kind of go the, the faster route um getting someone who is already american that's doing some stuff and partnering up you can do that in canada too guys like if you are like hey i want to get into some big apartment buildings and i'm not quite sure how to do it yeah i don't know if i can qualify i don't know if i have all the money Partnering is amazing on these bigger deals because there's so much meat on the bone. There's so much more 
to go around that you can easily, you know, leverage all of this different expertise. You know, you partner with a contractor or an acquisitions person or a capital raiser, and you guys all pool your, your resources, you guys can, you know, get it, get it done. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good info. Um, last question real quick, one word, what state are you setting up in as far as like corporation and things like that go LLC, Florida, Florida. Okay. Um, what's next for you? We are you just continuing this kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Like I think the next for me is just, um, you know, I'm, I'm a younger investor newer to the scene. And I think like I, keep getting stuck in the idea that I have to keep doing these burrs or I have to keep doing some of the smaller stuff and, and realizing that the return on my time is so much better on these bigger deals. And so I think like 2023 exclusively besides my Airbnbs, cause that's like a fun cash flow thing. But, you know, to your point, um, like what you're saying, Rob, about like your student rentals, um, I, my Airbnb is completely passive because I already have a team for like mm-hmm. the rest of my real estate. I was able to kind of repurpose some of my employees and I'm like a hundred percent hands off my Airbnb stuff. So I don't even care what's happening. I just keep getting them and acquiring them and just passing them off to my team. So I don't even worry about that. That's fun. I like it. Mm. Um, I want to focus like my energy. Um, yeah, just on these like larger buildings in Ontario, uh, in the U S um, just doing kind of more syndicate style apartment buildings and whatnot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Seems to be a, a, a bit of a trend with uh, COVID, I guess. Everyone going to Florida. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Why not be in the sunshine belt? If you're going to invest, might as well have sunshine. Well, there's some advantages, <laughs> to having, there's some advantages probably tax-wise, to going down there, having to go there for work, 100%. right? And um, yeah. not just going there for pleasure. Yeah, uh, exactly. So there's, there's some, why not do make, it, make that happen in a nice place that you want to go visit anyways? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's one piece of advice or one, info, one piece of info that really has stuck with you that's helped you maybe the most in your career? What's, what's one thing you want to leave our listeners with? Um, I would say, don't be afraid to just act and just go for it. Um, I feel like I missed out on so many opportunities trying to be too perfect, trying to make sure like the deal was just right. And the timing was just perfect. Um, And I'm sure you guys can attest to this too, that there's no perfect deal. There's no perfect time. There's no perfect anything. And the longer you wait, the longer you sit on the fence trying to time the market or wait for that perfect deal, um, you're just letting things like pass you by. Um, and I think, you know, all my mentors told me this and, and I've experienced it for myself personally. You will figure it out if you mm-hmm. take action, if you buy stuff, even if it's big and it's scary and you're not 100 percent sure how it's going to work out. You, you'll make it work. If you throw yourself so deep into the trenches, you'll just make it happen and it'll be a great learning opportunity. You'll have no choice but to make it work, right? <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing everything today with us. Not a I'm sure you're going to have a bunch of people reaching out to learn more. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. Yeah, it was fantastic. And one more time, how can people get in touch with you? All right, guys, if you want to find me uh, on social media, my handle is at Sarah Etter Invest on Instagram and Facebook. And my website is just uh, www.sarahetter.com. E-D-E-R. E-D-E-R. Sarah with an H. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again. Uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Same way on Facebook or Instagram is pretty easy. Uh, It's Sandy McKay or Sandy at freedomreps.com. And uh, I just wanted to mention here at the end, we are doing um, some development uh, stuff right now, and it's going to be just for build and sale. So if anyone's interested in getting in on that, contact me, Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, cool, that's the wow factor. You can't miss that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time. 